Hey, it's your host, Katie B. And if you've been tuning in to the Audio Coffee episodes, you probably already know this, but I'm just going to reiterate it again. Things are going to be a bit different for the next month here at the Real Rebel Podcast. And essentially what I am doing is giving myself a bit of creative space. I have found with everything going on in the world right now, I am in a process of transformation, much like everybody else. And I am needing a bit of a runway, a bit of space in order to facilitate um, and essentially hold myself in that process of transformation. So instead of the regular programming, I'm switching things up a bit for the next 30 days. So this next guest episode is not a brand new one, but instead it's one of the top four episodes of all time. So one of the top four guest episodes of all time. And really it's just a win-win for both because I get a bit of space to create some new stuff for you and you get the best of the best when it comes to real rebel podcast episodes. So with that, I'm going to take us right on into this next episode. So I'll see you there. This is for the people who push the boundaries of our society. For the people who live on the fringe. For the people who aren't afraid to question the status quo and live life as exactly who they are, not as who they should be. These are the people who make us uncomfortable, who speak truth and break glass ceilings who aren't afraid to stand up and face themselves, who refuse to be oppressed and help us expand and evolve the edges of humanity. These are the real rebels. And this podcast is for them. Hey guys, it's your host, Katie B. And thanks so much for tuning into this guest episode of the Real Rebel Podcast. And I gotta say, this next guest is an incredible, incredible human. So today I have on Natalie Kuhn. And Natalie is the VP of Programming and a founding teacher of The Class. And so for those of you who don't know, The Class was created by Taryn Toomey and is a transformative workout of the body and mind. And their whole thing is that there is peace in strength, grace in release. And it's all about releasing the energy from your body and moving the energy from your body. And a lot of what Natalie and I talk about in this episode is how our bodies are our homes. So so many of us are, if not all of us, are forced to be in our homes or we have been requested to stay in our homes. And we think about our homes as the four walls around us, but our true homes are the bodies that are housing our soul and so, so much of this work and the class and what Natalie teaches is to create a home that you want to live in within yourself, a home that will support you to make clear choices and make life more joyful and more easeful by taking care of this home that we have that is our body. And so we had an incredible chat. Uh, what usually happens on the Real Rebel podcast, if this is your first time listening, also welcome. And what usually happens is we dive into the hero's journey, into people's stories around what their path was and how they got to where they're going and the trials and the tribulations and all of that kind of stuff. However, uh, sometimes what happens, if not all the time, <laughs> the conversation tends to take on a life of its own, which is exactly what happened here. And I think 
absolutely what was needed. So what we ended up talking about was Natalie's perspective as well as mine on COVID-19 and some ways that you can support yourself during this time. And I do have to say that Natalie is an incredibly grounding person. She brings this grounding energy. And as you'll hear in the episode, I kind of melt into butter a few times around what Natalie is saying. And um, and she talks a lot about moving your energy and meditation and just ways that you can, as I said, support yourself and your family throughout, throughout this time. And so as always, everything that we mentioned will be in the show notes at realrebelpodcast.com, including a link to a digital studio that the class is putting on right now. So if you're finding that you need to have some ways to move this energy throughout your body uh, and want some support on doing that. I'm no word of a lie going to do that right after I record this intro, then I would highly recommend checking that out. And again, like I said, links to everything will be over at realrebelpodcast.com. So without further ado, I will not keep you waiting any longer for this incredible conversation. My lovely guest, Natalie Kuhn. welcome to the podcast it's a pleasure to have you um and for those of you who are listening you've heard already the full intro of who natalie is and just to go over it again she's a vp of programming and the founding teacher of the class by taryn toomey and i want to like there's so much i have a full page of notes (laughs) everything's like i'm chomping at the bit I'll just say I'm a founding teacher because uh, there's obviously the founder who's Taryn and then the founding teachers uh, are JC and myself. So I don't want to leave her out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we must include everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we'll get into this. It's a big deal to create something that like you guys have created. And and I want to get into the the path and what that looked like. But before we do that, first and foremost, we are recording this during... COVID-19 and all of that. So before we dive in, I do want to ask you, and we were just briefly talking about this before, you know, we've officially started recording. Um, where are you at with all of this? Yes. Well, I'm calling this epoch, uh, Love in the Time of Corona, as the sequel to Love in the Time of Cholera. <laughs> and I'm currently in Brooklyn in my apartment where I'm working from home. And just to, you know, sort of date us for future listeners, the government has asked us to work from home, essentially. Uh, So there's no mandate, but the the request is that all businesses who can work from home, work from home. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm in a little section corner of my Fort Greene, Brooklyn home. Yeah, I think that it's good that you pointed out what's happened so far because, you know, things things are changing pretty rapidly. Yeah. I was really excited as I was kind of doing a deep dive onto who you are and all of that. And you, I know you get this probably a lot in podcasts and we're going to dive into it later, but I think it's such a perfect time to talk about sitting uh, in discomfort. Yeah. Sitting with discomfort and, and loneliness and all of that kind of stuff. So there's, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm wondering what your perspective on this whole thing is. You you briefly mentioned love. What is the stance that you take and, and how are you keeping yourself, you know, your spirits up and, and all of that? I mean, praise baby Jesus, Allah, Buddha on high <laughs> that we started 
our digital studio back in October. And we were able to get the music licensing and we were able to figure out live streaming. And it was months, months, a year in, or more wow. in the works. And uh, we did launch last October and then publicly in January. So when all of this happened, basically we shifted everything from what we were doing to focus almost solely on um, this part of the businesses that we had been um, working so diligently on and now really exploding. And it is keeping me sane. Mm. And by it, I mean the ability to continue teaching and the ability to continue practicing. So I teach on uh, the live stream about four times a week. And then when I'm not, I sometimes I just tune into the live stream while I'm washing dishes just to hear the teacher muse on, you know, the lessons. Mm -hmm. And then other times I'm using it as the physical practice. And that sounds a little bit um, nepotistic, a little bit of like nepotism that I'm really saying that the class is keeping me sane. But as a founding teacher, as somebody who's one of the leaders in the company, it's not my job, it's my vocation. Mm, there's a big difference there. Yeah. Six yeah. years ago when I met Taryn, there was no business model. There was no real intention yeah. for it to become what it is today. It was a felt sense that this is what my heart and soul wanted to pour its effort, time, and sacrifice into. Oh, that's so good. I, yeah. that's And that's exactly what this whole podcast is about. It's about following that, answering that call, trusting that, because I think it was, I had uh, Harry Baker on. He's a poet from England. And we were talking about certainty. He was going to go become a doctor or his family said, you know, he was really good at math and he was going to go become a doctor. And he switched to becoming a poet. And he said, you know, that was the more certain path, but to become a doctor. But it's like, right. the truth is, as we spoke about was, What's more certain than following what your heart is telling you is the right way to go? It just usually requires an immense amount of trust. And courage. And courage, yeah. It's an interesting segue because I would say that globally we have been involuntarily thrust into the realm of uncertainty. Yeah. But spiritually speaking, it has only ever been that way. Meaning we're rudely spotlighting what has always been true. Yeah. That we don't know if we'll wake up tomorrow. Yes. That we don't know if our job will be there. That we don't know if um, our partner, how long we have with our partner. Mm. We don't really know for certain anything other than right now we'll change. Yeah. And so now we're all having to deal with our attachment to certitude and our attachment to um, our attachments. <laughs> yeah, well, the things you know. that are like, they're like those extra things that we get used to and we don't need them. I don't know what the word is. It's, it's like all the stuff that we don't really need. Right. And we think that we do. And, you know, the stripping away of those things, like our, for me, like I go to this place called Glory Juice. I love it. And they have the best, like latte, almond milk latte, you know, I sound so whatever, but it's true. I really love it. And I get it almost every day, but I can't. And I, and I, every day I would be like, oh, I need to go out and get this thing. And now I can't. And guess what? I'm totally fine. Yeah. You know? 
I want to just remember that in this massive, massive moment where there is this war of an invisible enemy that is affecting every single person's life, there is nobody who is spared. There's a real canon of experience. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, we're being affected at the very top of our familiarity and the very foundation of our survival. Yes. And so the very top of your familiarity is your almond latte. And then the very base of your foundation is, are we in a global economic recession? And the whole spectrum is included. Yeah. Do I have a paycheck tomorrow to the thing that I need in the next 30 minutes is no longer there to self-soothe me, yeah. meaning your latte. That's it. The All of the things that we use to numb and soothe and like step away from ourself, they're not there. And it's it's like a huge awakening. And it's, yeah. yeah. And it, there's a lot of fear, I think, too, that that's coming up. People's chronic fear that it has been there for a long time. I think it's all, yeah, it's all surfacing. It's, yeah. You know, I think what's so, uh, just looping back to my um, literary joke. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I wish I had a laugh track behind me because it's just, it's too annoying. I'm so annoyed. But oh, no, um, it's not annoying. It's great. In all spiritual traditions, right? Yeah. Whether it's Catholicism, Buddhism, of course, miracles, you name it. Really, what what are all spiritual paths teaching? They're teaching, are you looking from the lens of fear or are you looking at the lens of love? And are you walking that path, right? And um, so right now we're in this huge, epic, bright, loud moment of um, having to face, make that decision at the edge of ourselves. Yeah. And fear. I've been talking a lot about this in my classes. So to go back to what the class is, just in case um, there are... Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, I was like, let's clarify in your own words what what it is, because it's so timely. It's so timely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would argue like, when is it not? Because it's just our relationship to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this is to say, it is spiritual fitness. It's a transformational workout for your body and your mind. And what that really means tactically is that you're doing things like jumping jacks and burpees and strength training, abdominals, you know, you're tightening up your cute little bod, but it's really not for that purpose. That's tertiary even primarily and secondarily, it is energetic. So you're moving the thought and the feeling and what's under thought and feeling energy. Mm -hmm. So if you are stuck in a thought that's got you um, in a rut, if you are in a malaise of an emotion, the class is there to help you through the container of the body, get to your psychology, get to your um, habits and your patterns that have hitherto, <laughs> that, that have up until this point um, been maybe unconscious or kept you asleep. Mm-hmm. So. An example would be you're doing jumping jacks and for the first 30 seconds, you're like, fuck yeah, I got this. And then by one minute, all your shit's going to come up. Mm. Okay, well, how much longer is this? The teacher is doing this for too long. The music is too loud. I should have been more prepared. I'm not good enough. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like blame, judgment, self-laceration, insecurity, 
Well, do you recognize that? Sure do. It's in my job. It's in my relationship. It's when I look in the mirror. It has nothing to do with the jumping jack. Right. The jumping jack's just getting you to the realization point. It's the spark. Yeah. Mm, and I think that that is so important because if we don't move that energy in our body, it becomes dense. We suppress it. And the more intake we have of heavy energies or we don't express that that pain, that fear, that uncomfortable feeling. I feel like that's when we get chronic illness. That's when there's like it forms like a tumor in the body. And this is not scientific or anything like that, but I just But it is. I mean, maybe not because Katie, you're not a scientist, but you know, there's a whole section of developmental science that is, I mean, look, Brene Brown has like based her career on it, right? And so has Joe Dispenza. Oh, I love him. So, you know, a lot, we're seeing more and more. It's just not quite in vogue, but it's about to be. Yeah, which is really exciting. And it's just a testament to the times and to what people are ready and ready for and understanding and needing that the class is so incredibly successful. Mm, thank you. Because we can have, you know, the powers that be or whatever telling us that this is now official science. Right. Or we can be listening to the people and looking what the people are reaching for and grabbing for yeah. and needing. Or you just have a direct experience yourself and is like being a case study of one, does it work for me? Right. You know, and I think that's what's going on with our digital studio right now. While everybody is in isolation or um, social distancing or whatever we want to call it, while everybody is working from home, we're not going to lectures. We're not going to these festivals. We're not going to sit through the panel. Mm. We are asked to have a, our own direct experience with what's going on. And the class uh, through this live streaming thing is helping people anywhere that we have music licensing feel what it is to feel themselves. And then in 60 minutes, does that shift for you? What kind of um, transformations do you see, say, like even a feeling, you know, as an instructor and the energy in the room when you first begin versus when you complete a class? Oh, so many things just went through my mind because I was going to say a week ago, what I would say is that it was so deeply in relationship to the people in my classes. You know, on Fridays, I'm used to teaching 80 people in the room. And so what I'm seeing is I'm seeing 80 people file in, in distraction, in fidgeting, in multitasking, in the mind being consumed. And then where I see the room go after 60 minutes is stillness, embodiment, peace, softness, focus, centered, aligned. Now I'm teaching to a camera because of COVID, mm -hmm. right? So what I'm doing is I'm now, look, if your listeners are not into the woo-woo space, I'll, oh, they are. I'll say it like this. For the woo-woo space people, yeah. I'll say it like this, that um, I'm tuning into the ethereal space mm -hmm. to the um, energy and the ethers. For those who that makes them want to like roll their eyes and they're like, what is that dragon <laughs> world, <laughs> that utopic dragon world? I would say I'm very much using the strength of my awareness to be mindful of the fact that 
there's hundreds of people on the other side of the camera who are going through the exact thing that I'm going through. And maybe the content is different, who your partner is and what your job is and what your struggle is. But I know that what we're moving through together is the very human experience of having to live life. And what does that do? Living life requires some kind of pushing up against yourself. And right now that's an external source called a virus that's invisible. Mm. And so it's causing very real human feelings, namely fear. And so what I can say for me as a teacher is that I'll go in and put on the mic and feel what it is to be Natalie living March 19th, 2020 in this time, which includes density and confusion and paranoia and neuroses. And I can leave 60 minutes later feeling in the power of discernment, what is free flowing within me and what is stuck, what is good for me, healthy for me, what is useful for me and what is harmful. So I leave understanding, maybe refreshing newyorktimes.com every five minutes is not benefiting my quality of life. Mm -hmm. But you know what is? Putting on plastic gloves when I have to go buy groceries. So it's like the class, and you know, this goes for any modality, whether it's meditation or um, Qigong or yoga or breath work or what have you, therapy. It's all about like, honey, what's your story and what's the truth? And can you lean away from your story and more towards your truth at the end of whatever session or practice you ascribe to? Mm, I like that because then it's it's a more gentle invitation. It's not like be in your story or in your truth now and be fully out of your story. It's just lean. Like how can you lean a little bit more? Because I think it can be incredibly overwhelming. Say if you you don't have the support of a therapist or a coach or something like this to think, oh, how am I going to just exit this old story right away? And, and I do think you can. I think it's, it's yeah. so good to open up that door as that's fully a possibility. But if it's an overwhelming thought, just to inch yourself a little bit more towards your truth and just like moment by moment, piece by piece, I think that's such a nice way of, of looking at it. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Brene Brown or if it was David White but one of them said, all you need, I think it's David White, all you need is to be half a shade braver. Mm, oof, that's good. So you don't need to change colors. You don't need to you know, run the marathon. You just need to take the step. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's beautiful because in our society today, I think and for so long we've been running on this kind of masculine energy and it's very like, there's these firm lines and you're either in or you're out. It's like there's, it's more black and white. And I think it's shifting. And in this situation, we kind of have to be more in our feminine. We have to be in a, in a place of surrender and a place of trust and just being where we are with, you know, going an inch, if we can only go an inch um, and just being a little more easier and slower on ourselves, which I think is kind of the dose of uh, what humanity really needed something to just stop us completely and slow everybody right down. And it's not to say it's not terrifying at the same time and it's tragic and overwhelming and all the things, but it's 
I think it's just a very highly contrasted situation. The good is really good and really needed. And the dark is very dark. And, and you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, doing things like moving the energy in your body or meditating or doing whatever you can to kind of ground yourself. I think what it does is it highlights our, like if there were a, a food pyramid, if we were to duplicate that and slap on the word um, suffering pyramid, mm. you know, at the very top of the suffering pyramid is, um, damn, they ran out of oat milk. Yeah. And the very base of the suffering pyramid is, um, I just got laid off, you know, and I don't know where my next paycheck is. Yeah. And it's going back to what we said earlier is that that's what this time period is showing all of us that what we thought mattered actually didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's stripping away anything that's non-essential. So what are the values? What really matters to us? And it's not even like, what do I need to be happy? No, what do I need to survive? Yeah. And I think our generation, I don't know how old you are, so I'm going to speak for myself, but I'm on that cusp of the millennial generation who have been um, charged with the callous nature of caring only about whether or not we're happy. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously degrees to that. You've got the um, the activists and the you know, the folks who are doing so much to change our world and, and who are part of that uh, massive undertaking that's so ferocious and courageous. And then there is, there's a reason a stereotype is a stereotype. And we have been called the, you know, the selfish generation and et cetera. And isn't it a good opportunity for you know, the 20 to 35 year old age range to have the experience of taking in, of having to um, adopt the notion of social responsibility. Yeah. And that's really what we have to. We've never had anything like, like really. Cold War was, you know, Vietnam, World War II. It's like these things didn't have the direct experience. And even those of us who remember 9-11, you know, like it was yesterday, for most of us, that was a, a U.S.-centric mindset. And there was a clear external enemy mm-hmm. that we labeled bin Laden as one person or right. ISIS as a small group, a niche group. And what's so, um, this will be studied for ages, but it's like, this is the invisible, non-discriminatory enemy. Mm. Which is kind of just what we needed, I think. It's creating unity across the globe. It's, it's it's definitely a leveling, yeah. It yeah, because I feel like when when there's you know when there's a war, there's an enemy. There it creates division. There's something to someone to point at and say you're the you're the bad guy. Whereas yeah. here, it's kind of like this is a virus, and it's you know, in this, in many sense, we, we can't, like, we can point at it and say, you're the, this is the, you know, but what are we going to do? It's like, it doesn't care. It's just going to keep doing what it wants to do. And so just seeing like everybody being like, go home, do your part and like self-isolate and do these things. I think it's, it's bringing forward such a, a beautiful sense of, of coming together as, as a global community. For the first time, I think maybe in either a very long time or ever. <laughs> and I think the going home thing is um, 
it's an interesting notion, right? That the that the way to save others is by not being with others. Mm. And um, the thing that's on my mind right now is that whether you are privileged enough to go home and retain some semblance of your life, which is to say, you have a paycheck, right? You have you know some kind of income that's that's coming in, or you are completely decimated by this experience. Like you got laid off, your family member is in trouble, they tested positive, you know, whatever that might be. This notion of going home is relevant because the only home we truly have is our body. Mm. And we're dwelling in the place of our mind and our container. And with an unhealthy home, the decisions we make from that about whether or not to go to the ER with that person and risk contamination or, you know, getting the virus or whether or not to um, apply for a small business loan or um, lay off your employees, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, there could be any number of things, right? Mm-hmm. But the difference between survival in its 360 totality and thriving, surviving and thriving is, are you right in your own home, your mindset, your nervous system, your physical container of health? And how do you strengthen that so that you can go make good choices for yourself and your family and your livelihood? So I'm, I'm rethinking this whole idea of work from home. For me, it's like, honey, work on home, work on your home. Yeah. Yeah. We spend so much time out of our home and and at this time is kind of forcing us to, to be home. And, and I think it's, it's, it's can be highly confronting and uncomfortable. Highly confronting. Yeah. So, you know, no matter what your challenge is in this time, whether or not to go with your loved one to go get a test Mm -hmm. or whether or not to order a little extra daily harvest for your freezer. Yeah. You need to take care of your nervous system. And how do you suggest that we do that? I mean, obviously I'm going to say the class, you know. Um, <laughs> Which will be linked in the show notes. Sure. <laughs> Why am I really saying that? I'm saying that because it is a physical practice designed to take you from the coil of your nervous system where things are held, where a thought is stuck, where neuroses is bread Mm -hmm. and move the energy through breath, through awareness, through expression, through compassion, through self-regulation, so that when the nervous system is calmed, you think clearly. Mm -hmm. You make decisions in a clear place. How do you do that right now from home without subscribing to the digital thing? Whatever. (laughs) Well, isn't there, there's like a two week, is there a two week free trial for the class? Yeah. Two week free trial um, for anybody who wants to check it out, but even more democratically, how would you do that right now listening to your podcast? And it would be quite literally slowing down your breath and taking all of the mental energy that's spent on thought and simply training it to the breath so that the mind has the object 
set for presence, Mm. on presence. If the mind is left to wander, we're human. It's going to go future. It's going to go past. What's going to happen tomorrow? I shouldn't have made that decision yesterday. And when we can train the mind to attune itself to watching the breath go into the body, watching the breath leave the body, which is, of course, the basis for meditation, but also for all any spiritual endeavor, all it's doing is taking your brain chemistry, connecting it to your nervous system, and allowing for you to drop into parasympathetic rest and repose. Slowing down your breath slows down your thoughts. Yeah. And I, I can totally attest to this as I, you know, for so long I've known, you know, meditation is the thing to do and it's, we hear it everywhere. And I was doing it for a time. And I even, you know, bought this fancy meditation pillow because I was like, well, this will make me do it for sure. Like, I'm just, <laughs> like I buy this fancy linen meditation pillow that's very expensive and beautiful. Yeah. Then I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six months later, it's still sitting there. Um, but this situation about two days in when I really started to realize what was going on and I was kind of hit with, oh, whoa, this is like living in a movie. This is this is wild. Yeah. Starring Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon and Jude Law. They already made this movie. Yes. And I and I I'm like, oh, I'm a pretty self-aware person. Like I I I can watch myself. I know what's going on within and all of that. And then halfway through one day when I had done gotten nothing done and I was sitting around, I was like cleaning, but not, but like I was all over the place. I went for a walk and I, but I realized, holy, holy shit. Like I'm really off my rock. I have done nothing today, but I've done everything. And it was such just this ungrounded feeling and trying to produce and do and, you know, to kind of create some kind of control. And then I thought, I think I just need to sit down and breathe. And I did. And everything changed. And I didn't sit down for a super long time. I didn't do any kind of, I definitely sat on that pillow. uh, But I didn't. didn't. Get your money's worth, girl. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now I'll start to get my money's worth. Um, But you know, whether it's the practice of of the class or whether it's just sitting down and like you were saying, just finding your breath and and just sitting with that, it changed everything. It changed my day. I mean, and you know, for those of your listeners who are more business mindset and maybe less woo-woo or or strike some version of balance, it's like the cost of you sitting and breathing for 60 seconds is nothing. It actually does not require a fancy linen meditation cushion, which is, I know, the joke you're making. <laughs> so I'm just pointing at it yeah. uh, very obviously. But it costs nothing yeah. to send your attention to your breath. The benefit is that your whole quality of life shifts. Mm-hmm. So should you decide to do a cost-benefit analysis <laughs> on whether or not it's worth dropping into 60 seconds of any kind of practice that stimulates parasympathetic nervous system that drops you into um, presence. Well, I mean, it's simple. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The next day I was highly effective. Yeah. I And I try really hard not to be, I want to see both sides of this situation. I want to be really mindful that it is very tragic for so many of us. And, and like you were saying, you know, 
I think the recession is is a real thing and it's it's I feel perhaps on its way and many people will lose jobs or get laid off or you know um but it was so immediate for me something that I had been trying you know knowing I needed to do for so long and like this was the ticket to finding some kind of peace of mind and now I do it every day because if I don't it's not a good situation um I think this is the coming home, whether it is to our physical location, but more so, like you said, our our, our bodies, yes, and, and our soul, like coming home mm-hmm. to that place, the home home, the heart of the home, it's, it's going to force a lot of people to do that. And I think some people, especially right now, like in the last six days where the world turned on its head, um, are poo-pooing these spiritual concepts mm-hmm. because uh, the survival mode is so great yeah but i would push back and would say that without these practices survival is overwhelmingly encompassed by suffering Mm -hmm. whereas there is a way to survive this without uh, waking up and falling asleep in a state of suffering and the way to do that is through spiritual practice so it is needed, whether you've lost your job or whether you're looking for your oat milk, whatever degree of difficulty this finds you in. Mm-hmm. It's not, for me, it's not optional. Yeah. And for people who don't necessarily have a spiritual practice or don't consider themselves spiritual or the word brings up some kind of resistance, mm-hmm. how would you suggest they approach that? I would say, my first question is, do you like to suffer? Should the answer be no, I don't like to <laughs> suffer. You're already on a spiritual path. Yeah. And, you know, would you prefer a life that is um, about aliveness rather than sleep or a waking death, right? Then I would uh, start where we were just, um, which is 60 seconds, set a timer on your phone and literally think nothing but of the experience of breath passing through your nostrils on an inhale, doing that swimmer's turn at the apex of your breath, and then exhaling. And if you need more to go on, feel your body rise as it fills with breath and fall as it depletes itself of breath. And if you can do that for 60 seconds, you will have felt the half a shade braver that we were talking about. You will have felt the incremental progress that is necessary in times of crisis. In crisis, it's so overwhelming, right? Yeah. And the the only way to um, to manage something as large as crisis is to focus on incremental progress. Yeah, bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like even just your talking right now has me so calm. I hope oh. <laughs> it's like obviously she's doing what she's Good. doing for a reason. I feel like Good. I just want to like not take a nap, but I don't know. I feel like I just sunk into like butter into my Good. Stay in that mental sauna. Yes, mental sauna. Um, and it's so interesting. I had this whole thing I'm like I'm gonna ask her about her origin story and like how did she get here and all of this because that's so much of what this podcast is about is about the hero's journey yeah and I think actually this has become exactly what 
it needed to become without, you know, any effort. So I'm just going to keep on that thread. I'm just going to keep on this the way that we're going because this is happening for a reason. And maybe I'll have you on another day to talk about your full story. I'd be honored. Um, I did have a question that was coming up in in my mind and just kind of a few things touching on this before we start to move towards wrapping up. I feel like in a class, and I'm thinking about people even at home who, and you probably see this a lot, is, you know, in the class, it's a lot of um, allowing emotions to come out. And what if someone is in that situation, they have the emotion, but it just won't come out. Like they won't allow themselves to to yell or get mad or to cry. That happens all the time. Yeah. You know, and I think um, people are like, oh, but I'm not expressive or I don't like to yell or I don't want to cry. And all of that is welcome because everything that happens in the class is invitational. And if today that's not how you feel, that's not where you feel comfortable, at least you know that the invitation is there. Mm. And maybe one day you will feel the permission from within, but at least you know it's not required of you. And you actually are in control. You are in control of how hard you make the movement. You could literally stand there for 60 minutes. I don't (laughs) care. I don't care how many jumping jacks you do. Nobody does who who teaches the class. None of us do. It's about um, offering you choice. And then you either make it or you don't. You either decide, I want to make it harder. I want to make it easier. I want to go deeper. Today, I want to keep it a little bit more surface. And that's absolutely fine. I love that because, and that was actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask you here. Um, I feel like in this time where we we are in our homes, there can be, you know, I, I felt this, I was self-imposed pressure to an, an expectation of what this time is going to look like, what we're going to get done, you know, even people with children and I've heard like it's homeschool and all of this. And I think it was Kristen Bell. She posted something that her, the principal of their school had said, like, for those of you asking how you should be homeschooling your kids, don't. Like, you don't need to be homeschooling your kids. This is a traumatic event. Uh, Play, read, like, you know, all of these things. Um, What would you say to those people who feel like, how can we release that expectation? Or why is that expectation there? Or just even your thoughts on that whole situation, because in a sense, in the class and expecting yourself to emote in a certain way, you have to come to a place where you can release that. And there's such freedom in that. Yeah, it makes me think of um, the Byron Katie work. She calls it the work. Oh, I love I love her stuff. Yes. I haven't dove too deeply into it, but I know that the, the core pillar of her work is um, to question your expectation, to question your thought. And um, her response is, is it true? Mm-hmm. Is it really true? How do you know it's true? And I think um, the key is the inquiry. Is the pressure coming from some outside source that has nothing to do with your own family values or your own sense of family development, personal development? Or is it coming from an internal place that's actually rooted in a wound? like a, an emotional wound. And that's the kind of inquiry only you can do for yourself. 
And so um, the challenge for everybody, whether it's whether or not to homeschool, whether or not to, you know, et cetera, is what is best for me and what is best for my family. Yeah. Not what are other people going to think about my choice, but peeling back the layers of pressure to get to um, what we are all primally stripped down to, which is what matters. What are your values? Mm, that's beautiful. Oh, okay. I'm going to start to wrap it up on that note. Um, before I do start the rapid fire, which is something I do at the end of every chat, and it doesn't have to be rapid, but I, I'm curious as to where you're standing right now, because I think people are really searching for lightness. They're searching for, you know, you can turn on the news at any time and you can get the full download of fear if that's, you know, or the full, you can get the facts, you can get all that sensationalized stories and whatnot. And sometimes I think it gets to the points where it's like enough facts, enough tips, enough, you know. So I want to know for you, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about right now? What kind of lifts you up and makes you feel jazzy? You know, I love this question. Um, Prior to the world falling apart, I was lucky enough to, um, I was in this cooking class. I had like I was gifted this from Cookspace from this beautiful woman, Michelle Mannix. And she said, Nat, you know, what you do in the class is helping people find their intuition through the body. And I do that too, but I help them do it through food. And I said, how the hell do you do that? (laughs) And she said, I teach this class that's about um, getting off the recipe and looking at what's in your fridge and looking what's in your pantry and just figuring out through taste and flavor and presence, right? Mm -hmm. Presence with your food, um, what to make. And so yesterday, I think I've gone to the grocery or my bodega every day since this whole thing went down, (laughs) because it's like every news event is, you're never going to leave your house ever again. (laughs) You've got one hour, go, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so I've bought all the weirdest canned things. And so I was looking at my pantry yesterday and I thought, well, what the hell am I going to do with like, two cans of beans and some tomato paste. <laughs> and so the thing that's got me um, jazzed right now is making a meal that is creative, tastes good, and can feed myself and my partner. Mm. And uh, it's not about where my meal is tomorrow. It's not about if I'll have a line of business tomorrow. It's not about whether or not the... Um, number of infections have gone up in my neighborhood. It's not about whether my dad, who's a pulmonologist in the ICU at a hospital right now, is um, wearing the correct protective gear. It's quite literally, I got two cans of beans and some tomato paste. How creative (laughs) can I get? Mm, Yeah. And it drops me straight into presence. It drops me into creativity. It drops me into nourishment. and. it drops me into taste. Mm, which food is so fun. Savoring my life. Mm. Feasting on what is what makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so good. And also major shout out to your papa son for what he's doing. That's incredible. Yeah, this thing is affecting all. Yeah. Personal, career, self, all of it. Mm. Yeah. And to everyone out there who's, who's, you know, in the hospitals on the front lines doing all of the stuff to keep us going. Like 
It's just truly. Yeah, it's incredible. I think it'd be a really powerful thing if we as a collective kind of spent, you know, a certain moment every day just sending good energy to to the people doing that. I think that it's a powerful thing. Yeah. It's not it's like send good energy and also order delivery from your local yes. restaurant yes. and donate to your local hospital and you know, it's like send good energy and do something that helps somebody else who's trying to help others. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. If you can spare it or, or if, even if you can't even spare it financially to call a family member or someone and be like, yes. how are you today? Like, how are you today? It's totally free. Call somebody who's got a difficult history with health. Call somebody who's a little bit older. And yes, check in on your fellow woman, man, yes. human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. With that, we are going to go into rapid fire. Okay. And I'm curious if this has changed for you, but what is your morning beverage? Oh, um, uh, lemon water. Mm-hmm. Very good for the liver. Uh, what is your favorite place in the world or where is your favorite place in the world? Initial thought, my body. Mm-hmm. Um, next thought, my bathtub. Those are two answers that I have never heard before. This is awesome. I mean, I suppose Hawaii is pretty great too, but <laughs> well, there's that. I, yeah, I've been there once. So, uh, what is your favorite smell or scent? Rose. Mm, that's also first. Uh, favorite sound? Um, my partner's voice. Aww, I know. I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, and my dog. My the sound of my dog's little, little, little. Little, little, what kind of dog do you have? He's a pugawawa. He's a rescue. Aw. Yeah, yeah. And in my divorce, I was married once before. Um, my dad ended up ended up getting the dog in the in the divorce, and so I Facetime the dog. This, I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. Well, I mean, I think the world needs more of those kind of people. People that face no shame their in dogs. that. Yeah, no I'm shame in my that. game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and this just, uh, the, just what you said, like how you were married before. And there's so much I'm just itching to dive into on your actual mm. story story. So at some point down the road, I would love to do a full on like your, Thank your you. story, which, which is what I usually do. But next time, um, what is the most trouble you got into as a child? Um, my parents, I got a henna tattoo because it was the early nineties and, um, hashtag because the nineties and my parents thought it was a real tattoo because they didn't know what henna was that (laughs) as a doctor's daughter. And my mom was a former nun. So as the daughter of a nun and a doctor, the thought of getting a tattoo was as if I had like killed a person so that was dramatic mm, mm, I can see yeah. that being an event yeah um yeah my mom says I have four siblings and <sighs> my brother has a few tattoos and my sister my younger sister I have I, I one no I have two but they're tiny and you barely see them but she said for every tattoo you get moving forward you owe me five hundred dollars <laughs> she's really not a fan of so it either funny. but it's like what can you do 
I have nothing against tattoos. Me I just, neither. Yeah. I think yeah. Casey Neistat, he's full of them. And he's like, this, we're impermanent. What, what does it matter? Like, this is, nice. you know, which I think is a, a neat way I of appreciate looking at that. it. Yeah. Um, something you've learned in the past week. <sighs> Take nothing for granted. Beautiful. Favorite book or book recommendation? Something you gift often or? Consolations by David White. You mentioned David White a few times. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm a devotee. He has no idea I exist. <laughs> I'm just a complete disciple. And he has no idea that I've put him on a pulpit. So <laughs> maybe this will find its way to him in some way. Yeah. Uh, and this is one that everybody asks, but it's my favorite question in the whole world. And you've probably been asked this before. I can almost be sure of it. But what advice would you give your 20-year-old self if you were sitting across the table today from your 20-year-old self and you could tell her one thing, what would you say? I'd say, honey, the one question you need to keep in mind every time you find yourself at a crossroads is what really matters. Beautiful. Ooh, you you I feel like you're a you're a poet or you you you're very good with your words. I'm just like so drawn in. I'm like, mm-hmm. Tell me you. more. I do love writing. I love writing. I love poetry. I love uh words. I love I love the um power of words. You're a communicator, natural born communicator. Thank you so much. Final question. What is your rebel cause meaning? Why Why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? Hmm. I am here to discover the full expression of my essence. And ideally, in my own doing so, it inspires that for another. Hmm. Perfect. We're going to end it right there. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been an honor, truly, and a privilege to be in conversation with you. Thank you. Hey, guys, it's your host, Katie B. And thank you so much for tuning into this guest episode with the lovely Natalie Kuhn. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And it certainly is not lost on me that there are many places that we could be putting our energy right now. And so the fact that you are here means the absolute world. Also, as I mentioned in the intro, anything that we talked about in this episode can be found over at realrebelpodcast.com in the show notes. And if you're looking for a little extra support right now, head on over to the Real Rebel Podcast Instagram at Real Rebel Podcast. <laughs> and every day there's a written post that is designed and meant to support, love, inspire you, as well as lots of other good stuff on the stories and all that jazz. Music for the intro on this episode is a custom track done by my guy Nathan from Extra Deluxe. And music played throughout the outro is called Deep Blue by Dusty Marshall, both of which you can find links to in the show notes. Okay, until next time.